This is the SFF Audio Podcast. Hi, I'm Jesse. Hi, I'm Paul. Hello, I'm Marissa. Hello, I'm Evan. And we're going to talk about The Impossible Planet, a 1953 short story published in Imagination, October 1953, and also adapted into uh, the second episode, in some countings, of the new Philip K. Dick uh, Electric Dreams TV show. Um, Not everybody's favorite episode, uh, but I didn't think it was that bad. I mean, it has serious problems, but... It's not that bad. What did you guys think of the adaptation? Well, I, think I... A... go ahead, Evan. I, I think there's a lot to like in it. I, I mean, I hate the ending. The last ten minutes, it goes off the rail. It doesn't make any sense to me. I kind of like and the ending, but it, yeah, it it definitely has ending problems. It's the same problem I had with. The Hoodmaker, and that the show's trying to be ambiguous and I don't know, clever, trying to do something with kind of fuzzy reality mm. when the story doesn't need that. Mm. I I read this as more a straight up tale of ecology. Yeah, I think the way they should have went with it, but they didn't. So I don't know, whatever. But the other stuff, the first half, I thought was really wonderful, and the the things they added to it in the first half. The thing to add to the story, like, I, it's not really clear what the ship is in the story, but by making it a tourist ship and having this fake tourist experience, that stuff was wonderful. Yeah, I had the exact same experience. I was, like, totally enjoying it, thinking they were doing a really great job with it. And then I would almost say I hated the ending. Like, it just destroyed the whole thing for me. Yeah, they, they don't know what they're doing is, is I think, the problem. Uh, Paul, what did, you, what did you think of the adaptation? I, I, w- I was enjoying the episode until until I guess if we're going to be uh, all the court here until the last ten minutes. I'm thinking, okay, what are you doing here? I mean, I mean, it's not that I hated the ending as an idea. It's just that it just didn't make it clear what exactly what was happening. It would have been nice to have at least some some sort of film to make understand: is this real? Is this a dream? And I guess we should spoil for the listeners exactly what go- what's gone wrong with this ending, especially compared to the story. So I'll do that because okay. you know. Okay, so uh, the Impossible Planet for those for listeners is a story of this three hundred year old woman who wants to go back to the planet of her ancestors, the legendary long lost Earth. In the story, no one knows where it is. Nope. Some people even don't think it exists. It's all myth and legends. There's lots of, lots of data about it being the having contradictory information about the birthplace of humanity, which kind of reminds me of Isaac Asimov's Galactic Empire series. In the story, there is an Earth, but it's apparently been destroyed. But no one quite knows where it is. And in both the story and in the TV adaptation, she had a exorbitant sum, which is a. Uh, is like kilo. Uh, what was it used? Two, two kilo pause positive. Positive. Yeah, two kilo positive, which apparently is a is a ton of money. I mean, they, in in the uh, TV show, they actually do well. Say that's five years salary, which at least gives us a benchmark of like this is serious. This is serious money, and so we 
go trundling along to the planet. I mean, given the t- sh- the the story is so short, the TV episode has to pad things and make this longer, so we get this very strange relationship slash love story between the old woman and one Your of our one of- <laughs> and, and and the reincarnation re. Resuscitation of a grandfather. I'm not quite sure what that was supposed to be. Uh, yeah, there's there's all sorts of incest issues possibly going around here, but we finally get to the planet, and in the story, we they land. She goes off. She dies. The guy finds a coin. He doesn't understand that. Haha, it's the U.S. And he flies off, not knowing. But in this adaptation, so they get down. They go wandering off together. He starts having more visions. He's had visions throughout this entire episode. They take off their suits as their oxygen goes zero, and they see this this Arcadia, this paradise, and they go skinny dipping together. But it's not clear. <laughs> I feel like your explanation is making it even like more confusing. <laughs> but it's not 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 because it's your fault, just because the story is so weird in the TV show. It's like you can't really explain it in a way that's like. <laughs> This is exactly what happened. So, but okay. So, is it actually really happening? Is they both just having a a shared delusion? It's happening. Have they moved into a like a fairy realm or something? I mean, well, the, there's the reason episode, of gas in that planet, the atmosphere. Yeah. I, mean, I mean, I mean, I mean, yeah. So, what exactly is happening? Is it if if it's a delusion? Why are they both deluding the same thing? Because they because. If you watch the point of view, it's clearly they're both experiencing. It's not like just he's experiencing seeing her. He's she's seeing him in the same way. It's like, so how can they both have the same shared delusion? So and she brought along the right clothes for him to have this shared delusion as well. I have yeah. I have some defenses for the end uh, and end of the adaptation. Uh, they're not great defenses, but I think that, that there's something to it. Here's a question: What in the story? It's mm-hmm. Earth. Turns out it's Earth, right? Yep. That, that, that's that that that's the twist in the tale. Like, ha ha! It's they took her. They t- they thought they took her to a fake planet, but in the end, it's really Earth. And they don't even know it. Yeah. So yeah. It was basically that Planet of the Apes. Like, you maniacs. Yep. Yeah. You got yeah. it. It's, it's but on that. Yep. Just let me jump in on that because I don't know. I agree that it's Earth in the story, and I don't think Dick's ambiguous. But one of my listeners, mm-hmm. actually, Richard, he comments on most of my episodes. He says this, I think the coin discovered at the end of this piece is much more than just uh, a gimmick you'll yes. buy it to be. As in much of this work, nothing is as it seems, so there's no reason to assure that the world is old Earth just because of an artifact found, which could be fake. I think he was trying to titillate our oh. curiosity rather than just provide a sensational ending to the mystery. Mm-hmm. I've got I've got an even better interpretation of why that coin's mm-hmm. so important. Because I, I, uh, I'm sure the first time I read this, I'm like, well, that's a shitty D- Philip K. Dick story. Um, cause it's, it's just not one of the best ones, you know, and he's got a lot of really good stories and this one is like, eh, but I, in going over it for this show, I, I thought about what that, what's about that coin and what it means. And I think it does make some sense, but it not, not in, not in the TV show cause they don't even have the coin in the TV show. Right. Um, it's not even Earth, right? It's not even clear. Well, that's what I'm. I'm thinking is, uh, it could be Earth, but there's no evidence for it, really. Um, on, I mean, what are those those hook hook shaped rocks supposed to represent of Earth? I, 
uh, you know, are they supposed to be an old building or something? I don't really get it. So I mean, I mean, they go with the whole oh, Saturn has no more rings and Venus now has one, and Mars has changed color. Robot's I mean, lying, the, though, right? Yeah. The, the the robot is clear. The robot is clearly telling the robot what she wants to hear. Robot. It's not called a robot in the story, but I mean, but that the I'm not was quite even sure of the robot's uh, motivations because he goes from hostility and finding out oh they're not heading to Earth to lying to the woman to to changing the changing the uh, internal. Uh, controls on the ship so that the guy is roasting to death like yeah, what so the heck is that supposed to be about that's called bad writing so it, what, <laughs> what what happened was they said okay we got this story uh let's let's change it up because we don't get the ending and i i think if they had just said jesse you need to study this story and tell us what it means <laughs> <laughs> please please we have to do an adaptation of it i would have been able to say okay here's what it means and then they said well we still can't film that uh, and maybe done whatever they did anyways. Um, however, I I was struck in reading the story again, uh, how it ends. And and I also was struck about who the woman is. Um, she's the same old woman, pretty much, that appears in a, a few, a handful of Philip K. Dick stories. Um, Evan, you've been going through a lot of them lately, so you may know exactly who I'm talking about. She's the um, the old woman in uh, the story with Bubber. What's that one called? The Cookie Lady, right? She's not. She's, okay. She's not Why an identical woman in oh. that she has the same name, but she's this old oh. woman who is a full personality. Um, as you see in the TV show, she's got a sexuality. Um, she's also the old woman in uh, uh, the time traveling old woman in. Uh, What's the one with the market in the title? Um, captive market. Captive market, right? So, uh, to me, Philip K. Dick obviously knew this person. Uh, it, w what I start to see in reading all of his stuff is he's actually writing people he knows and sort of just filing the names off and putting on, you know, every time you see the, the name Douglas or Doug in a story, that's Philip K. Dick. Um, this woman is somebody he knows, obviously. So... Uh, in the Geek's Guide to the Galaxy episode, they were talking about how Philip K. Dick is really bad at writing women. And I was thinking, uh, he's not great, um, but that's because he's so good at writing himself. Um, but when he does do uh, women, he can actually do them incredibly well, I think. It's just rare uh, that he does it. And it's interesting that why is she an old woman and not an old man? There's... I mean, in the TV show adaptations, they seem to be changing a lot of the women characters, uh, man, male characters into women, is from what I hear. And sometimes that uh, m might be fine. I, I, I don't know. Why did Philip K. Dick make this a woman? And I, didn't, I don't really have an answer, but I know that there, it's interesting because he didn't have to. His market is not for women. Um, and obviously in their adaptation they came up with an explanation which is she's looking for her grandfather or something um and that's sort of from the story but here's what i think is going on at the end of the original short story um she goes back to earth 
Why? For nostalgic purposes? I think she's going there to die. Mm-hmm. Oh, yeah. That, 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 I think that's yeah. clear in the story. Right. She's going there to die, and the robot is, is just... It's not. Uh, it doesn't do any lying in the. It's it's a uh, as straight up a Isaac Asimov style robot as as can appear, and its job is just to you know basically deliver her to her grave. Um, and where does he bury her? He buries her in the sea, which is pretty damn interesting. Um, this is the dead earth, right? Or near dead earth. There's some birds flying around or something. Um, and she's incredibly old. And then on the way back to the ship, the, the junior officer finds the coin on his way back to wherever he's from. He looks at the coin and it says E pluribus unum. And I'm thinking the first time I read it, well, that's weird because, um, it's earth. Oh, end of story. But actually E pluribus unum is in the end of the story because that's, that's not it has a meaning which is uh something like out of one many or many out of one vice versa no no it's it's it's, it's oh. one out of yeah it, out of out of many one that's right it's, so i think this is a as evan points out this is a incredibly important environmental message but it's very subtle right um humans have forgotten where they're from but this lady's going to find this legendary place and return to it as a symbol of sort of where we came from out of the sea right i'm pretty sure Mm -hmm. at that time even philip k dick would you know he's up on the science um and they were talking about you know humans having evolved from coming out of the sea at some point and uh well not humans but you know all all living things on earth and um she's doing that return journey and it, it, it has some sort of um, resonance. I think when you think about it that way, but they just delete that resonance and do something else for the, for the <laughs> adaptation. Well, yeah, there are, I was, no, go ahead. Go on. Go ahead. Oh, okay. So, so one, another reason why they might've made her a woman is the whole idea of mother earth. So right. having a female character return back to the real earth has some, has that more mythic resonance than say an old man would. Yes. And notice how she reacts to the damage that earth has received. Right. And then yeah, she, 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 she's yeah. horrified. She's horrified by, by what's, what's happened both in, in both the, the adaptation and in the original story, she, she, she's. I mean, it's like it doesn't look like Earth. Mrs. Gordon clung to his answer, panic stricken. It doesn't look like Earth, Captain. Is it really Earth? Mm-hmm. It's just, so she's horrified about what's happened. It's like she she she, she, she sees something interesting. Like um, I don't want that or something, mm-hmm. or I don't want it to be like that. Mm-hmm. Yeah, but I think there's a lot more to say on this point. I've been thinking a lot about Please. this. This. All the like all the money that's being made with this, I don't know what it's called, twenty three and me, and all this these people right. trying to spend the money on their and find out their ancestry and seek out where they're from and different groups, especially in North America, kind of grasping onto the various ethnic identities. Yep. You know, you're German American or you're French American or Irish American or whatever. 
And then, you know, there's a, there's, it's big business. I don't know how big, but it's a business to have people trace back their, their origins. Yep. And it, it's kind of bougie, especially from a kind of a North American perspective when, which was built on erasing genocide and erasing the historical memory of, of a whole, you know, people from one continent through slavery and, and Christianization and all that. So kind of, it's kind of a, it's a very white privilege idea that you can kind of get your, or at least from a North American perspective, mm-hmm. there's a, a lot of white privilege in this idea of getting back to your roots and your origins. Um, so, you know, and of course she's rich. She's presented as rich here. And so she can afford to do this. The, you know, I kind of well, go on this quest. Well, well, I don't think she's rich so much. I mean, I think this, mm-hmm. at least the story makes it clear. It's not that she's rich. She's just been saving forever for this one thing. So she's basically using all of her res- last resources in order to make this happen. Yeah, yeah, I guess. Yeah, it's 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 ambiguous. She's at least rich in the sense she's got a lot of money at that moment, right? Mm-hmm. And but this idea that this is not what I this is not what I want. That's what I guess I was responding to this claim. This is not right. This mm-hmm. is not what I wanted. If if any of us look back at our own family history. And I'm dealing with a lot with my writing and my thinking about Lovecraft these days is he's really obsessed with this idea that if you go back and look in your past, you're going to, you know, be grossed out by what you see. <laughs> and so you better not look too much. <laughs> and that's kind of a historical argument. And that, that's kind of where I'm going with Lovecraft now. Mm. It's, it's, it's almost a historical argument that if we actually look at the own past of, of, of the U.S., it's, it's again, it's genocide and slavery is really the defining characteristics of, of that and so there's not this kind of idyllic past for for any of us. Mm. And so our, you know, it, it, there's the ecological side to it, but I think there's also this historical memory side to is, it. Yeah, and that's interesting when you see what the TV show did. Like, it totally went back to the this sort of like little utopian existence in the Carolina. She got her little this kind of dream that might not even be real. Yeah. Mm-hmm. In fact, um, there's some there's some very weird things going on in the TV show. The um, I think the the forgetting of the Earth um, and the fact that it's been destroyed, uh, despoiled. Um, so there are there are living things there, but not much, right? And and it stinks, and uh, you get a sense that there's garbage floating in that ocean, even though it doesn't actually show that. Um, this is a theme that comes up in a, in a few Philip K. Dick stories. Um, there's one where uh, maybe it's um, Strange Eden. You've done that as your uh, one of your episodes, right, Evan? Where he finds Strange Eden's the one with the alien astronauts. Yes. Uh, well, there. Um, it tur- which he turns out to be Cersei or something. Uh, yeah. But but he says something like along. Uh, one of the there's a captain there and there's another guy, and they the, the, their plan is to develop the planet and and uh, I think the under oh, yeah. officer looks out at the woods and says, oh no we can't we can't colonize this place because soon there's going to be beer bottles and you know tin foil uh, in all of these beautiful meadows, sort of the despoiling of the earth just by. Philip K. Dick walking down the street and seeing garbage on the side of the road and, and saying, this humans are terrible, right? It's sort of just maximizing, you know, what happens when you go picnicking. Um, well, this earth has been industrialized to death, 
the wars do, but the industrialization is is there. And so when Mother Earth returns to die, um, it it does have some. It, it, I think that E pluribus unum has sort of a. Uh, it's supposed to have a resonant feeling. Uh, maybe it does. Uh, maybe it falls fairly flat, but it's, it's supposed. To, I think he's trying to make it have a resonant feeling of look at what we're doing. Um, and uh, and interestingly, the ro the robant is sort of the culmination of that industrial society, right? Mm-hmm. Um, mm-hmm. It's ambiguous in the, in the story. Um, I don't know what the fuck they're doing in the in the the TV adaptation because <laughs> what is that robot robant do? It's got glo- every once in a while it's like big red eyes. I'm angry. Is that what that means? Yeah. yeah. <laughs> He's a little bit emotional. He's like, like He's overheating like in Fondly uh, yeah. Fahrenheit. Yeah. What's going on? Well, I can buy the line because it's a role band, right? So it's it's a servant. It's, it's just programmed to serve and give the woman what she wants. Yeah, that it's might almost be a, beautiful. A lie, but turning around and being angry at the end, yeah, that's... <laughs> You know, yeah, and so after he kind of went along with the scheme too. Yeah. Yes, he did, and but he, in the same way that the like there are some really good things going on, especially the acting is is good. Um, I don't think the scripting is very good, but uh, I also like you know the hints we get about the society. The notice that they add an extra character with the um, oh, girlfriend with the girlfriend, right? Yeah, that's great. Um, uh, I guess it. I guess it kind of works. He's making a choice. I think the ending would be a perfectly fine ending for a story, as long as it doesn't have all this science fictional trappings that don't uh, resonate with it. Like that whole. Basically, the the ending works on the fact that, to me, the only way it makes any sense is they're they're actually are delusional and they're killing themselves, um, because. I don't think there's any evidence of good time travel <laughs> explanations. Um, here's a lady who wants to die and doesn't want to be alone. And here's a guy who has a dead-end job and uh, he, he doesn't really love his girlfriend, even though he says he does. Um, yeah, and one which... more thing about him is he he's from like the, the periphery of this empire. Because mm-hmm. I, I forget the name of what they call it, but there's like the core right. and... The captain wants to go back there, or the manager, I think it's whatever he is. He wants to go back to the center. He wants to get an apartment in the urban center. I forget whatever it's called. Whatever weird porn that was. (laughs) Yeah, that that was really strange. That's a good point. Like the the porn is fake sex, and then at the same time they're showing off the fake tourist sites to the yeah 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 and changing Um, and yeah changing things to make make the rubes happy, which I thought was really interesting. Mm-hmm. Ah, yeah. I think they do anyways, that. The girlfriend yeah. wants to go to the city too. I, I don't know what else to call it. She, 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 she's four. definitely a so, yeah. She's definitely a social climber, and she's upset that uh, that he's not succeeding in giving her the lifestyle to which she wants to be accustomed. To uh, change the phrase a little, and, and it's clear as we as the story goes on that he doesn't really want that. He's happy doing these tours and li- living living on the edge. He doesn't want to chase the rat race all the way up the right. up the corporate and, ladder. And as the old woman points out, it's, it's not true love. Like, they don't truly love each other. They're just kind of 
clinging on to each other because of other things they mm-hmm. want. But then they do that whole weird thing where, like, well, maybe the old lady is his true love, and then it just gets weird. <laughs> well, <laughs> the thing, though, the the thing, though, is that I think that that it all that almost makes sense in the context of Philip K. Dick's sort of associate, like. It it is weird that he has these old women characters. Like most most of the time, when you think about uh, how people writing science fiction stories write science fiction stories, they're they're doing it in a much more formulaic way. I think Dick is doing it very instinctually. So I, I think he says, "I'm going to have this old woman character. I can I can really like in that story. Um, I always uh, the Cookie Lady." Um, we really get a sense from the inside what her body's like and how beautiful she is, really. And in a strange way, they kind of do that in the TV show and sort of sexualize this this 340, whatever, they changed it from 350. They also changed the number of pause creds to double for some reason. I don't know why they do that. They kept all the names the same, right? Gordon and... Uh, Andrews. Andrews, Yeah. I think all the names are the same, but yeah, the, I think he's he's doing like he's saying that actually old women can be beautiful, right? Yeah, but that's what I did. I didn't like. I mean, they can be beautiful as a human being, but I that's what kind of annoyed me about it is how they made it because like because they can be sexy and you know sexualized too. Like that was kind of a little bit weird. I, I liked what Philip K. Dick did, yeah. where it was like she's going back. She's got a dream. Give this woman some dignity. We shouldn't be conning her. You know, like you're just lying to her, and the guys are kind of the assholes. But then in this TV show, they kind of made it like, look, she can be pretty, and look, he's kind of like doing moon eyes at her. And it wasn't about like the dignity of her death or what she no, wants so much anymore. No, and it turns into a suicide pact, right? Like, yeah, and, and, and that was kind of weird as well. In the same way that the robot e- was doing it, right? He was helping along with the delusion. Yeah, and I would have even gone with that, like the suicide thing, if it had been. They'd kind of met each other and had this. It just kind of happened, but it, the whole thing where she bought the right clothes for this guy to yeah, work. Yeah, that was. And, yeah, and the fact that the as part of her suicide there, mission, if like, they had just fallen yeah. in love on the spaceship, I'd be totally down with it. it yeah, it's it's very but Twilight. I, I, oh, go ahead, Evan. First, I just don't think yeah, that that should have been the way. I, if I were to write it, that's not the way I would have done it. I, I need to pad time, right? Because I got a, a five-page story or whatever, right? So I need to expand it. I. I I would have pushed more to kind of the service worker angle of it. And, you know, you, your waiter or your waitress pretends to like you. Right. Yeah. And you yeah. might, and he's, you know, he pretends to like the customers at the beginning of the story, the, the rubes, as the one uh, you put it. So she might catch this feeling that he's attracted to me but that should be another level of the fakeness of this whole experience right yeah that would have been such a more interesting and episode i think i think the fakeness is is also you know that's where you can tell this is a philip k dick story so they're lying the whole time right this is earth this is earth this is earth uh and then is this earth is this earth it's not earth it's not earth and then oh it's earth right so the idea of who's lying to whom um, and what does it mean when you tell a truth, uh, a lie that turns out to be the truth? It's a, it's a layer of mm-hmm. what's going on in, in, <clears throat> in, uh, Philip K. Dick genuineness stories, which a lot of them are about, right? A genuine emotion, genuine, 
uh, reality. How do I know this is real? As opposed to some other thing, just a uh, sticky note with a with a word saying what it is <laughs> on it. And I, I don't think that works particularly well. But I think you're right, Evan, that it would make a... I mean, the, um, the Roband character, I think, is is there to remind in the story is there to remind us of the industrialization and sort of the end product of that industrialization is that it's more loyal than the humans who are exactly yeah mm-hmm. that was what was so great about the short story because the um what's his name norton is like um he hasn't given this person what she asked for and he's got this kind of guilt he doesn't want to go on any more trips with the captain mm-hmm. Um, and the robant um, took her out in that amazing scene and like walked into the mud and water with her was like finally delivering on her final wish. Mm-hmm. Like it was yeah. so beautiful and dark, and I really liked the short story. Yeah, they sink, they sink, they sink into it together. So it's like, yeah, the, yeah. the robant is loyal to her to the last. That and this story, the robant's motivations are ch- to be charitable, muddled. Yeah, and it, it almost doesn't deserve to be in the in the spaceship like well it, it doesn't deserve to be in the story because it the end it stays on the spaceship for no reason why isn't it out there mm-hmm. well because th- that fucks up the romance right um <laughs> he can't, he can't go skinny dipping say that again evan it's only there to scold andrew yeah and, and yeah uh, honestly i don't care about scolding him <laughs> um yeah. because she i mean the thing is she's getting what she wants everybody's getting why you, you know that's a that's that's the American uh, experience, right? Is is punishment? We need punishment <laughs> as as uh, you know, w- not forgiveness, not like sympathy. Um, I, I this British show is doing a uh, they're channeling Americans, even though an American didn't give the punishment, right? There's no punishment at the end for the for the the two liars. Mm-hmm. In the short story, yeah. and and that's because, yes, they're lying, but turns out that they're telling the truth, and we don't need punishment. It's not about punishment. So the fact that he's getting a headache, the captain's getting a headache, and that you know we hate him because he likes his weird porn or whatever. I yeah. I don't I I I could go without that completely, and I think um, we can say something about why she's a woman um, going to the earth makes sense if if the robant is her loyal servant it, it all works i think in this in the short story and yeah. and it's just those two characters are there to deliver her for that scene and it has to be two so that they have dialogue and and we can get you know facts about why the earth was lost um its original yeah. title was supposed to be Legend, and I think yeah. somewhere uh, on the Philip K. Dick fans page they were saying that um, it's a kind of a a quest like the um, quest for the Holy Grail to find mm-hmm. Earth that she's off to to do this thing that obviously not enough people really care about. And I think hmm. that's pretty interesting. Yeah, uh, I want to bring I want to bring up something that maybe. Maybe you've seen it was it's from thirty years ago. Um, there was, do you guys remember the Twilight Zone from uh, the eighties, the remake of the Twilight Zone? Mm-hmm. Yeah. There was an there was an episode 
in that series. And I was thinking about that as I was watching this and reading the story called Voices in the Earth. Okay. Do you remember it? No. Okay. So, so in Voices of the Earth, it's a thousand years in the future. Earth has, everyone's moved off Earth because it's become a ruined wasteland. And this expedition comes back to see if they can basically salvage anything off the Earth, mine it for stuff, use use it up because it's been a, a neglected waste ball for a thousand years. So we get, we get a main character. He's a professor and commander and he's looking around and taking samples and seeing it's a really miserable place. There's no life. He thinks, okay, this is great. The earth, the earth is used up. There's nothing here. We can just mine it for stuff and be done with it. And then the weird stuff starts happening because this is the twilight zone. He starts seeing ghosts, ghosts of, People of ancestors of humans in the past who think that, hey, humans have come back. We're going to have a world again. And he's at first conflicted. Like, I don't want to have to deal with these ghosts. I just want to break up this planet and mine it. And these leave me alone ghosts. And he basically gets into this whole dialogue over the episode with the ghosts about what the ghosts want. They basically want people to come back to the earth and repopulate it. And he points out, like, it's a wasteland. There's nothing you, we can do. It's like, you can't even breathe the air. And the ghosts finally realized that to bring humans back, they have to basically restart the earth. So they basically use up all their life force. And so at the end, as he's getting ready to go off, he sees that there's grass and flowers starting to grow. And he realizes that the ghosts have basically sacrificed themselves to try to make earth into a place that people can live again. And he's going to go back and, tell people that no we can't break up the earth we can come back and repopulate it yeah no, notice how that is totally like that uh, and i thought maybe that was one thing that might happen in the adaptation i thought maybe they would have her dying and that the earth sort of gets blossoms mm-hmm. or some sort of uh, wally right and notice that, that that's completely absent from the original short story um it's an elegy it's not a um it's not a renewal it's right. and 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 the fact that the coin is thrown into the recycling bin, right? Yeah, it suggests that we've thrown away the earth. Yeah, it's, that's a, that's a very. Uh, but that's the thing is, is that's actually how nature works. Like nature doesn't give a fuck. There are no ghosts, right? So the fact, like we're we're traveling over this landscape and we see uh, some stone sticking out of the earth. Yeah, it's the ruin of a temple from a, a thousand years ago. But the animal that that crawls over that the slug that crawls over that doesn't care it's just a it's just an obstacle in the journey right it it has there is no there is no memory uh in in the way that we want there to be and i think that that's sort of why the story doesn't resonate with a lot of people is because it's saying exactly that it's saying look even the only people who know what's going on is the lady who just now died um, and she she was r- right about it from the wrong reasons. There's this is something you do in philosophy, right? Is you you say what makes something true? <laughs> you say well, believing that it's true is important um, as a part of the process. Well, she, she believed it was true rightly, but for the wrong reasons. Therefore, she's uh, got a it's not a justified mm. true belief. But um, notice that the the other characters they don't even care, right? One of them just wants the money the other one's like oh what's this shiny thing in the in the skeletal moonlight right finds this coin shining in the earth picks it up 
doesn't really care that much about it. You know, polish it as off. Ah, e pluribus unum. Chuck it in the recycling bin. The only people who can care about this fact are us. And we're not even in the story. We're outside of it. Yeah. It's interesting. Um, that I think you're right that she is representative of nature as well. Because did you also notice all through the story, like every time he describes her, she's described in terms of um, leaves and branches. Mm. So she's like, <clears throat> I wrote some of them down. She's got a voice like rustling weeds. Right. She quivered like a dead branch. She, um, when she dies, she's like a faded leaf carried on the wind. That's nice. So it's all these kind of uh, like. I did notice it, but know. I didn't note it. You know, mm. that's interesting. And then, that's a yeah, and then he he describes the earth. Um, he, I thought his words for that were cool too. He, he was like, it's like cracked, congealed, mm. corroded, mm. baked, repulsive, barren, degenerate. You know, mm. <laughs> so he has this kind of like nature woman coming down to this completely barren dead planet listen to this dark unhealthy water lapped below a vast sea crusted with salt and waste its edges mm. disappearing into banks of piled debris that's very evocative yeah it's it, it, it is line by line very very I, beautiful i don't understand she said she stared and certainly down at the surface below it isn't supposed to be this way earth is green green and alive blue water and her voice trailed off uneasily why what what do you what do you make of her being deaf? She's deaf in both the sh- short story and in the adaptation. Although her adaptation deafness is a uh, different kind of deafness than we get in the uh, in this in the story proper. I believe she is a hundred percent deaf in the story. Uh, I believe she is a faker in the reality. Oh, oh sorry, I, in, the well, I, in the adaptation. I, I don't think that she's a faker so much. I'm going to be I'm going to be sensitive to uh, the uh, the hearing community. Is that she's she's mostly deaf, but not completely deaf. I mean, I mean, she has she has hearing loss, but not complete hearing loss, and that's why she has that little gadget in the adaptation where she can hear things. But sometimes she can pick up words because she's reading lips and she's and she's getting enough sounds to be able to get it from context. So I think she's just she's not as completely deaf as she is in the story. She's just mostly deaf, and so she does need aids, and she does find it difficult to do things. And and maybe she plays it up a little, but I think but I don't think she's a complete faker because that just doesn't feel right given her personality as we see in the That's adaptation. That's the uncharitable world. reading of it, right? Well, she's a complete no, faker. No, I, I, this is more plot-based and thematic, but this is like the second-to-last page in the collected stories mm-hmm. version. Um, he's Andrews, I think it's Andrews, is, is justifying this to himself, and he says, damn it, the fault wasn't his. She had been old, 350 years old, senile and deaf. And then we get the faded leaf carried by the wind. So it's it makes her look more... It makes it easier for them, these characters, to justify, I guess, taking her money and tricking mm-hmm. her. It makes her seem a weaker character than than she is. Yeah, the deafness. I, Putting a disability in is a way to make it easier for them to belittle and not take her seriously. Well, only one of them's really belittling her, right? Um, mm. uh, but the other one's certainly going along with it. On the uh, Andrews is going along with it, but I, I somehow think it it is like um, it's it's if she's representative of nature. Right. In a certain sense, um, we don't have access to 
nature in all she doesn't speak to us in a certain sense right we have to interpret the signs um and there's something about that i mean deafness does go with old age and if you're 350 years old i'm sure deafness is going to be an issue but uh there's some there's something interesting in, in it they can say and it works on the show as well the show adaptation as well because they can say things right in front of her that w- they wouldn't be able to get away with if she was not deaf. Um, right. Yeah. You yeah. can you can spit on Mother Nature in in our world and Mother Nature doesn't know, right? The effects are felt, mm-hmm. right? When you have an oil spill or whatever, uh, the effects are felt, but Mother Nature doesn't hear your words. Is the I I think there's something going on there, I, I, and the thing is, is this is not one of his best stories, right? It's it it works somehow as a it's an okay story, uh, but it's not. Um, I think I think maybe it's just it's it's such a small idea, really, and a lot of his ideas are like that, right? You know, uh, there's one. Is this going to be adapted, Evan? The one. Um, is that the next episode? It said the commuter was the next one, and I think that the yeah, that's a really loose. Uh, is that an adaptation of the commuter, or is it an adaptation of the uh, one called Prominent Author? No, it's an adaptation of of the commuter. Okay, uh, are they doing Prominent uh, Author? Because um, I don't. That's a commuting think so. story as well. Okay, yeah, because that yeah, that that's one of my favorite ideas in that that era of him writing is this idea that you have this wonderful technology, you know, that can transport you across the universe or wherever to, wherever you want to go, and they just have the prototype, right? right? And so they just set it up to go to work, right? Because I mean, if you could only buy one of these, most but that's people how are, that's how it's going to actually go to get work, used, and you have right? this wonderful technology. Nobody's going to use it to go visit Mars, all right? They're going to use it to <laughs> to go to work or to go to the mall, right? <laughs> or you know, uh, right now it's it's summer in in the southern hemisphere. A lot of people just use it to go to their, you know, commute down there um, and stay there for. Well, that'd be better than going to work, I guess. Yeah. So uh, I was just thinking, like, um, in that story, prominent author, it's really a, it's just a tiny little idea. He's making a kind of a joke uh, out of the thing, and here it's a tiny little idea. Is that, oh, look at this. Um, people can. We're going to devastate this world so badly that we're not even going to know it's Earth anymore. And that's basically the, the, the central riff of this story. Well, he did this somewhere else. So I, I think it's a bigger idea if you combine it with some other stories. And that's one thing I wanted to bring up. All written around the same time. There's two in particular. One is Planet for Transients, mm-hmm. and the other is Survey Team. And... I'll just give a brief summary uh, off the top of my head of these. Planet for Transients is you got these people living in bunkers, and the Earth has been recovered from a war. And there's all these post-humans and other creatures evolved there. And these people are trying to get to the surface, but they can't breathe the air and stuff. So they, they're trying to figure out what they can do. And eventually, they realize there's all this new life there, and that Earth's mm-hmm. no longer for them. And they, they decide to go on a rocket to Mars or something. And they try to decide to leave Earth, leave their mother, because they've ruined it. But they ha- they've kind of cr- planted the seeds for a new form of life. Now, the other one, Survey Team, is about these people. They've, they've devastated Earth. So may- maybe it's the same universe mm. as um, uh, Impossible Planet 
Earth's devastated, it's destroyed. It, it you know, you can't sustain life anymore. So they're sort of sending out these teams to look for other planets to settle. And they go to Mars, I think it is, and they find out that there used to be a human civilization on Mars, and it was destroyed. It was ecologically overused. It was basically all the resources were taken out, and it, then the choice is: do we do we go on to another planet once we realize that this is what our species does, that we're basically parasitic and we're going to destroy every planet we come to. And there's this choice. Do we keep looking or do we just die and face our sins? Hmm. If I were to adapt this, I I would have probably, you couldn't have adapt survey team to the story, grafted them together. But the idea of, Really making that like yeah, making that story about ecology mm-hmm. and the way we treat Earth. It should that should have been the story. It seems to me yeah. in the adaptation, yeah. added with this great stuff on tourism. Yes. Um, mm-hmm. did, did you guys uh, note that the girlfriend said something uh, in the adaptation? She said, uh, "I go I go to the hair salon six times or something." <laughs> no, I didn't. <laughs> she, yeah. And then she said, uh, and 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 noticed all the tourists who are always looking in and. Uh, and th- th- that was one of the parallels. Like there are a lot of things that work in uh, maybe it's too many cooks in the script or I don't know what's going on there. But uh, when when the uh, tourists look in and the the captain who we don't like is is watching his pornography, whatever weird kind of <laughs> pornography that was, um, he's he's saying to them like, ah, you rubes, you suckers. And they're smiling and he's smiling. Right. And the, they're deaf to what he's saying. Um, that that parallel worked kind of fun. Um, mm. But their hair was all like they had this sort of stylized white hair. And, and even at the beginning of the very beginning of the episode when they're on the ship and our protagonist hero is um, reading the script and, you know, upping the fake color or whatever it is, the pink nebula, whatever whatever's going on there. Um, they all had this like weird bouffant hair um and that's what she wants to go to right <laughs> the, the girlfriend wants to go be like all these tourists because her hair is just oh, regular yeah. mousy black instead of shocking white with a i don't know it's some sort of um louis the 14th hair <laughs> right uh-huh. um, and there was a, the occasional mask um and weird weird makeup and i think we're supposed to be disgusted by these tourists is that your your guys's takeaway because I, I think they're supposed to show like over decadence over consumerism yeah. decadence yeah. yeah and then the, these are working guys who are trying to fleece money out of them to make a living and and here comes the old woman for the big score and but yeah it's like you can have to lie to her to do it can you do it and since we get the conflict between the the two characters about that goes throughout the story about can we actually do this to her? And he, he, he keeps pushing, pushing each other about, you know, whether or not we can actually take this woman's money and, and give, give her a fake experience. I mean, I mean, consider he recolors parts of part of earth to try to make her yeah. feel better about it being the planet. It's like, really? Wow. It's like, it's, well, it, 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 it might be a commentary on consumerism and um, cultural decadence and, and class warfare. There's, yeah. there's a, but, but I really enjoyed that cultures. too. Mm-hmm. Yeah, how they were like, they. at some point you think the robot and um, Norton, they're like, they're trying to fulfill her wishes. This was her dream. They're kind of like telling themselves that like, well, if this is what she wants, mm-hmm. 
let's just give it to her. But I would have loved to see that like reversed or turned around or some kind of like truth or something um, hit them at the end. You know, it was kind of just fell flat after that. When yeah, and they all. <laughs> are, you, are you talking about the show or the? the yeah, the show. Okay, the show. So well, the first part is in both of them, yes, right? Which yes. is that's what I loved about the short story. But then the way the show took it, just didn't. I don't know. There's no kind of. Well, I, I think that's it, it why the suicidal uh, suicidal stuff at the end. The suicidal like we're we're dying together and it's beautiful. Um, except they don't know that they're dying together. Um, you know, she takes off her helmet. Um, she can hear the birds right. now. Right, <laughs> yeah, well, uh, I think we're supposed to uh, infer that the captain or whatever, you know, it's not Norton. Andrews? Andrews. Andrews. Andrews is, um, is interpreting it correctly. I think we're supposed to think that that's a possibility, right, that they're just low on oxygen and they're delusional. Um, mm-hmm. and the thing is, is when you've got confronted by the harsh reality that the earth is like a wasteland, right. And, you know, unbreathable air and just full of toxins and radiation and all that stuff. Um, fantasy, fantasy is really comforting, right? The fact that, yeah, when, I think when she first takes off her helmet, um, her hair's white and then, it is, and yeah. then uh, shortly thereafter, it's it, but she's young looking, and then shortly thereafter, she's um, her hair's black, right? Yeah. Um, and so that's the transition, right? It's like okay, I'm seeing. I mean, this is very dreamlike in a certain sense. Um, and am I wrong? Is the is the word comfort come up in the story? I thought it did. And I, I was thinking about how I don't recall. I was thinking about how I, I might have dreamed this last night because I I really overdosed on this this story and then I watched the <laughs> I watched the the show like right before I was falling asleep so I had to sort of keep myself awake but um it was uh there's something about how harsh the reality is of you know finding out yeah your land has been devastated you know there's no trees left there's no none of that that's really really harsh and the comfort of a woman's body i thought there was something about that in the show um and she's she's not a spring chicken right she's 350 years old but uh our our hero in the in the adaptation um there is something nice about their little uh what is uh late 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 winter and uh spring romance (laughs) (laughs) um even if it's for me, it kind of silly, right? They're doomed or whatever. Say again, Evan. Well, it just it it seems that that's all the tourist experience is mm. is taking something that's kind of horrible and putting, especially people who travel to developing countries mm. or something. They'll, they'll they'll go to nice hotels or something and not really see the way it was. My, you know, I I know someone who just went to Africa on the safari kind of trip. You know, mm-hmm. only seeing one small segment of of Africa, which is perfectly fine, I guess. But I think a lot of tourism, you know, falls into just it's all about it's pretty f- fake thing. I don't do yeah. it very much mm-hmm. myself. But have you guys read Innocence Abroad ever? No. no. Twain's first book. It's I think yeah I think it's his yeah, first it's his book. Travel and, book right. Yeah, it was yeah. the first of a couple he wrote, and he was basically paid by the newspaper he was writing for to go to on a Europe and Mideast tour, and he went with another bunch of middle class Americans, and he he gives 
kind of almost day-to-day commentary on the places they go. And it's been a while since I looked at it, but there's a couple really clear themes. One is this intersection of kind of the old empires, that, like the remnants of these old empires mm-hmm. that you see, like all the sites, both in the Roman Empire and the old in the Mideast empires, Syria. And, and he's always talking about like the Bible and Bible stories and, and all these, this history. And then you've got this new imperial setting with the British Empire, the French Empire, and the American Empire kind of superimposed on that. And that, another contrast you have is this reality of poverty everywhere. So he's constantly talking about how poor people are, but also just how kind of the community of these middle-class Americans is kind of like a gated community moving around the mm-hmm. world, surrounded by slums all the time. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and everything was so managed and regulated. There was like this entire, this fakeness of it all. And when Twain wanted to get to the real story of these societies, he had to kind of sneak away from the group. And it's it's been a while since I looked at it, but... That's, I think, a really interesting take on this tourist experience. And that's right yeah. when tourism is beginning. He, he's a very sensitive writer uh, himself. Um, I, I just did a, a podcast on uh, a story of his called Hunting the Deceitful Turkey. It's a very, very, very funny little short story. But it's actually um, a memoir. Uh, it's part of a, his memoirs. And it's him going hunting for a turkey with his uncle and his brothers. Uh, his brother, no. His uncle and uh, the uncle's children, so I guess his cousins, um, and he's the he's the only one who can't catch a turkey or any animal. Uh, the other guys are killing everything in the forest, right? And he's the only one who can't. And it turns is so you get the sense that you know he ends up saying you know Mother Nature is tricky um, and she's deceitful and she's also she's full of irony. Um, because the way you catch a turkey is you you take her leg bone out and then you uh, whistle through it and that calls the turkey, <laughs> so that you know she's betrayed by her her own wow bone, right and then oh it's dark and, yeah it is very dark and then he 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 sends out you know he there's a line uh, he he traveled more than uh, over a considerable distance of the United States chasing after one of these turkeys. Um, but he has the excuse that he's a bad shot. Well, you can't be that bad a shot with a shotgun. The thing is, is if you interpret it right, you suddenly realize he doesn't want to kill the turkey. Um, he's a vegetarian. This is this is how you, you know, like, yeah, it turns out that he is a vegetarian. And then the reason he is like he's just too sensitive. He can't he can't actually kill the animal. He, he, he sympathizes with her too much. And uh, when you read Twain... Um, he he turns to humor to deflect from how sensitive he is, right? And mm-hmm. with Dick, it's it's not usually that way. He really just meditates in the spaces of these characters, I think. And and so that um, although we don't see into the old woman's mind, I think that that's who he's spending his time with. The other characters in this story are only to deliver the scenes. I don't think that that what they're thinking matters. Uh, it's just to yeah. deliver to her to what she she is going for. And when she speaks, it's him speaking. If that makes sense. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I felt that too, that this was really about her. Um, and that, yeah, those two characters are really, um, they're just there to kind of, I don't know, show us how horribly we treat people right. and, and 
this kind of these disgusting little yeah the tourism thing the the oh well if someone wants their dream you can just sell it to them for a bunch of money and tell them that they got it like um, and they did sometimes they do get it right yeah kind of but not intentional <laughs> but not intentionally it's almost like yeah it's, it's accidental accidental moment of grace that yeah, she actually did get to go back to earth not because these uh these people intended to bring her there just because they happened to pick the right planet yeah. which is just kind of a weird well, irony uh, you know they did do a little research right he he yeah, didn't but, pick the least least yeah. likely he just picked the most convenient one of the ones that was the right one the, the, he, the, yeah. He, yeah he did the minimum amount of research that she would actually might have done herself so that she, they, they couldn't go to a planet a system with six planets and three of them ring and say oh here here's earth but yeah, they 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 did the minimum necessary to get the money, and it's like, oh, we'll just go to the nearest one and call it good. So that's well, what's so, I don't yeah. give them, and I don't have any brownie points for but, that. But but the all. thing is, is I think when you step outside of the story, you realize it doesn't actually matter that it is Earth, right? So for us, it matters as readers when we're first uh, we're first finishing it and say, aha, it was Earth all along, aha, um, and they don't even know, right? Um, well, she thought it was Earth all along. The others didn't think it was Earth all along. Um, the fact that she dies on this lost world, whether it's Earth or not, um, it doesn't really matter that it's Earth or not. I, I mean, in yeah, the sense of fate, it matters, but fate doesn't really exist, right? It's only what we put upon right. it. Sorry. What were you saying? Yeah, it's, well, that's a good... Um, or Evan? <laughs> no, I was just thinking if you take a... You could uh, adapt this to slightly... Well, let me just play with the adaptation version of it. Mm-hmm. So she has this hallucination at the end that she's in North Carolina swimming. Maybe it's the gas of this noxious planet. So what if they just put her down when, she, when they give her the money and dream, have her dream of... Give her a, a fake dream, a fake mm-hmm. memory. This is going to be a Dickian... That'd be very approach to this. Just give her the fake memory that she visited Earth. It'd be more, maybe, be closer to the reality. It'd be nice and beautiful, and you know, everyone would still be happy, right? You don't even have to take the trip. Yeah, I was going to say the the thing with the short story that is left a little bit ambiguous, though, is we don't, we never find out whether she actually, as it was Earth or not. Like the Norton and Andrews kind of imply that she might have mm-hmm. just died, and the gases out there, like mm-hmm. that. Because when I read that she collapsed and died, I was like, oh, awesome. She's got, you know, it's Earth. She's got her. She's got what she wanted. Now she's ending her life. But there's also that, like, open question of, like, or did she just walk out into the gas and get poisoned and fall over? Uh, the, the at the ending of the now that I'm thinking about it, the ending of the episode also kind of reminds me of the death chamber in Soylent Green. You've all seen Soylent Green, mm, right? Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yep. And, it, that, and that, he knows that that's fake, right? He he knows that's fake, but he gets this last Edward G. Bit Robinson of, knows that that's Ed, fake. <laughs> and he gets this last bit of what the Earth was as he remembered it. That was now gone and now choking and dying. But here's here's this lovely presentation with music of everything of what the Earth used to be, and you can you can die remembering the Earth that was. And in the sense that in the sense that she dies and he dies. Assuming they do die, I mean, we don't know for sure. That that's one of the frustrating things about this story, this yeah, adaptation. Is, are, are they dead? Did they go to another world? I mean, it would have been nice to a broken point of view and see, and see uh, 
see Benedict Wong's character say, crap, they're dead or something, anything to like remove that ambiguity. That ambiguity doesn't help the story. But I mean, Aline Sawyer and Green is like, okay, here's, here's your last memory to, to go out on on a good note. Just like here, they're going out on a, they're going out on a good note. Or are they? It's, it's, it's almost too gimmicky twilight. It's only like, is it real or is it a dream? There's nothing that's in between. I think that that's going to be the signature of this whole series because that's how they ended the first one, right? The Hoodmaker, yeah. Yeah. And, I mean, uh, what they, they took the lesson of Inception to heart. And it says, too much to heart. <laughs> it's like, <laughs> okay, guys, we, we're going to leave it up to you to decide. I, I, yeah, yeah. I mean, I, th- I remember watching Inception in the movie theater for the third time it was it was the first time with my late friend scott and he was annoyed as hell at the end he's like and he i could hear him listening because he likes to talk during movies like uh-huh uh-huh yeah it's a dream and then it ended it's like what <laughs> and then he just looked at me is like i didn't make this movie man don't blame me well this frustrates me with both episodes though that yeah dick does have these liquid realities that's one of his um trademarks i guess but he's thematically always very grounded and i I just wish the episodes that both of them could make up their mind about what they're trying to say yeah instead of just trying to be fuzzy as if that's the end that was never the end for for philip k dick Mm -hmm. yep it's true well, I, I, I'm, I'm kind of very curious to see what they do with The Commuter, because I think The Commuter is an amazing short story. An amazing, amazing short yeah, story. Yeah, that's great. Um, and it's subtle, really subtle. And I, I doubt that they're going to be as subtle as they in the adaptation, but um, I'm really looking forward to reading that again, because it's been many years since I read it. And I, like, I remember when I realized what was going on, like, oh, my God. I could see it. He doesn't see it. <laughs> you know, the main character doesn't see it and is like, wow. Then we I, should do an episode on it. I think we should. This has been the SFF Audio Podcast. Please join us at www.sffaudio.com. You know, there is an episode I've already done, so I don't know what to do about this because I, I don't repeat stories, but I've done a show on The Hanging Stranger, I'm pretty sure. Um, and that's an upcoming adaptation, right? I think um, we should probably um, just do it as a uh, tack-on on the end of an episode. Mm-hmm. Okay, so, yeah. so okay. we have real-life, artifact, human is... Paul, you're too far from the mic. Up. Oh. Oh, sorry. I was leaning away. So we have real life, autofact, human is, crazy diamond, the hood maker, safe and sound, the farther thing, impossible planet, the commuter, and kill all others are the name of the 10 episodes. Yeah, well, we're going in the and UK. Two of them are very right? loose adaptations, right? Yeah, yeah, yeah we're, we're definitely not in the, I mean, we're not definitely not in the US order because impossible planet is eight and, and hood maker was five, so. Um, that's okay. Yeah, I think we need to go in the UK order. So just so make the next sure. one is commuter. Yeah. So, but when does um, Hanging Stranger come in? Because if that's, uh, let's just. I, don't I, I I I think th- I think that's Kill All Others is supposed to be uh, the adaptation of the yeah, Hanging Stranger. Yeah, that sounds Str- right. So, that's, so I don't know when that is in the UK order. Let's, let's but. look. 
I think the Wikipedia entry has it. Uh, yeah. So the next is the commuter. And then Crazy Diamond is an adaptation of Sales Pitch. So we can do that one. I haven't done a show on that. Um, exhibit Piece, Human Is. I have an audiobook for Human Is. I, I, I'm pretty sure I can use. Um, it's public domain. And then uh, Hanging Stranger is also public domain. Uh, but I've done that one. So maybe on our Human Is show, we can just have a little extra at the end talking about The Hanging Stranger. Mm-hmm. Then we have Artifact for Artifact. Mm. Safe and Sound is Foster, You're Dead. Have we done and that one? No. No, okay. we haven't. I, maybe okay. you did it in the distant past, but we haven't uh, done yeah. that one. Father Thing I haven't done either. We've um, talked it, We've talked around in a couple of episodes. A lot of people, a lot actually, of people have uh, think it's a really good story. I I was very disappointed in um, the uh, Geek's Guide to the Galaxy show they did on this whole series because most of the people hadn't read the stories and they're just saying like, yeah, Father Thing's probably not a very good story. It's like, dude, uh, I don't know. I don't know if you <laughs> read the Father. Obviously, you haven't uh, read the Father Thing because. It is. I hate that. I think I that's pathetic because it's so good. It's like one of mm-hmm. it's it's the one where people email me all the time saying, "Is this public domain?" I'm like, "No, sadly, it's not public domain." <laughs> Are you sure it's not? No, no, I'm pretty sure it's not public domain. Sadly, because they want to use it in school, right? They give it to kids to read. Um, no, it's not public domain, but um, very, very solid story. Mm. So is they Electric Dreams are doing the father thing as yeah, well? Yeah, that's the last episode in the UK order. Okay. Um, so that'll be, I guess, our last episode of uh, this run. I, mm. I don't. I, if they keep up this quality, I don't think they're going to make a second season. Mm. Uh, sad yeah. and tragic. I think you're right. It's um, what yeah. said because getting people more into Pokey Dick is well one of the reasons why we do our own series of episodes on it so yeah they were speculating on to why they they chose all the sort of stories from this era and they said a lot of bad stories and the thing is kill all others are uh hanging hanging stranger is an excellent story it's public domain as well so maybe they could get away with that but um they gave uh, philip k dick estate is um involved in the production and i think that they they're right in their speculation that they were giving away stories, well, selling stories that they probably couldn't sell as movies, you know. Mm-hmm. Um, but the thing is, is some of them are, are I, I expect Autofact to be, well, I don't expect it to be a good show, uh, a good adaptation. But um, the thing is, The Commuter could be a really good TV show episode. If uh, Evan, have you seen it already? The Commuter? Yeah, the adaptation of that. To be honest, I started watching it during uh, uh, during the UK run of these episodes, and I didn't get through it. Oh God! Okay, I got bored halfway hmm. through. Yeah, yeah. I feel like just even what we were speculating on on the podcast, like of what they could have done with even this story, was like way more interesting to me than the TV shows I've seen so far. Yeah. <laughs> like, wow, well, we've only I just seen had such two, a but... weird reading of that story, though. The commuter. Mm. I, I don't know if it's the same as yours. I. Mm. I guess I can talk about it. Yeah, we'll time. we'll save it for but, the next one. Um, I don't, I don't know. Maybe because I kind of just to, like clue would be I put it alongside like Adjustment Bureau and Small Town. Yep. Yeah. 
you know, I think they're thematically tied together. Small Town is one of the most kick-ass uh, PKD stories, if you read it closely. It's just amazing. I love it. Um, I like it more than the Three father thing. That, that, that novel, uh, Cosmic Puppets. Yep, yep. Yeah. Uh, they don't actually reuse any of the material. Dick doesn't actually reuse anything in there. He just re- reuses the idea, sort of. Right. Yeah. Um, all right. So let's look at the schedule and see when uh, everybody everybody will find it convenient. Um, all right. So we've got uh, a hole in our minds at 02:18. So that'd be February 18th. Uh, Marissa, you're on a show uh, the week before Altered Carbon. Yeah. As as is Paul, but Paul's on pretty much every show. So <laughs> I just want because Marissa's uh, she has uh I don't know she can't do back to back to back that easily right? No, not so easily. And then Dune um, is after that the week after that the first third of Dune. Um, and then the next uh, yeah, date yeah, is then, March 11th. Then she's on a, then she's on Annihilation, so yeah, so that slot's not going to work for Marissa at all. Well, we'll see, because it's only a short story, right? Yeah, uh, I can probably fit it in. I've got another book club thing that week, too, but I can, uh, yeah, I'll just try and, I'll try and manage that. So, uh, Evan, does uh, the second week of, uh, sorry, the 18th of February work for you? Yeah, these times are all fine for me. Oh, perfect. I, okay. I mean, Sunday, Sunday nights good for me I, right. I really don't have much to do i don't have much of a job <laughs> okay uh, well you could be robot. playing computer games i don't know yeah they they i used to do that a bit more I, it kind of bores me i've been reading james fenimore cooper so that's been keeping yeah, me yeah i saw that day. yeah oh boy you're the one who who maybe downloaded it i i i gotta pick text that maybe excite people a little bit more i think cooper's i think the Levy, letter stocking tales are brilliant but. Uh, I haven't I haven't read more, any any James Fenimore Cooper, but I think the uh, Michael Mann adaptation of um, what's that? Last of the Mohicans. Last of the Mohicans is yeah. is probably Michael Mann's best work. Um, and the, and he's a really good. Yeah. Well, maybe Thief's better, but he's a really good filmmaker. Uh, how close is that to the book? Well, it's I mean the basic plot is is close. They they change a whole lot. There's a bunch in the book. Where like Leatherstocking, what what's his Hawkeye in that book? He mm-hmm. steals from a Indian shaman like a bear suit, and he's walking around in this bear suit, pretending to be a bear sometimes, sometimes pretending to be the shaman. And there's all this like cross dressing and ah. like white people in Indian outfits and Indians in white people outfits, and the, that's it very happens American in the Deer Slayer too, a little right? bit too. <laughs> it's it's really fun. It just wouldn't have adapted very well. So mm. you can't have that on big screen blockbuster. No, it's very um, of... hard. It's it's hard. That's what I like about it. Yeah. That Michael, it's got that Michael Mann hardness where you say, Ooh. yeah, it's it, it loses some of the lightness. Like he writes out a whole character, David Gamut, who's uh-huh. like a, a a teacher of of psalms and songs, and the, the whole joke throughout it is he's completely unfit for the frontier because he all he knows how to do is to teach songs and to write religious songs and natty natty bumpo has his own kind of weird religious perspective coming from the woods oh. uh, but he that character actually has one of the best arcs in that story because he becomes brave by the end and he's able to stand up and you're making me want to read it now so. all right mm-hmm. let me look at look on librivox see if there's a good version uh it's called what what's it called 
Last of Mohicans. Last of Mohicans. Oh, yeah. The Mohicans. Uh, Leather Stocking Tales. Yeah, all uh, five of them are fun. It just takes so long to go through. I mean, they're, and they're Cooper, so. Yeah, I, I, he's a bit he's of a not... drag at times. Is he okay? Well, that's uh, wait. Oh, there it is. A narrative of 1757 solo. Let's see how Gary W. Sherwin reads. Oh, it's muted. Last of the Mohicans, a narrative of 1757 by James Fenimore Cooper. Sounds all right. The America. Yeah. That the toils and dangers of the will. Not professional, but yeah, I might. Read it up a little bit. Uh, I might. I might be up for that. Let's see how long it is. Uh, 17 hours. Okay. <laughs> I'm gonna have to put it all that long. Push it into the summer because I got a lot of. Uh, I got a lot of long stuff coming up. Yeah. Man. Well. You know, I'm currently finishing up the with the, the Prairie, the last of the Leatherstocking Tales, and then I've been doing episodes on The Man Who Japed, so I'm going to get back to Philip Dick. Yeah. I have a bunch of Philip Dick episodes in the can, so I'm awesome. I'm going to get I'm going to start doing some novels, Man Who Japed, and so. Uh, you you you're going to do some Twain as well. Twain. Well, my plan is after the Leatherstocking to do to do some more turn of the century black writers. Du Bois, Chestnut, Charles okay. Chestnut, but you might be interested in the Conjure Woman oh, by uh, Charles Chestnut because that's got some supernatural, I like that fantastic stuff. elements. I'm looking um, it up right but now. But it's about African American culture and uh, culture of enslavement and women. But I, I want to and what, what Johnson just do a few more turn of the century black writers. That's my one of my favorite periods of American writing. 1899. There it is. Yeah, Chestnut. Yep. Yeah. Or the, I hadn't heard the of con- it. Woman. But, but just as um, it's basically about a, a kind of a carpetbagger coming to. Is it short stories? Open a, it's seven short stories, but they're they're anthology. They're, it's kind of like an anthology series where there's a common character throughout it. Hmm. Every story is basically this white man from the north who start op- buy some land in the south and is running a vineyard, and there's this old black man who spent most of his life a slave, who lives there and is employed by him, and he tells these stories. And it's always about all the stories are about uh, a con like conjuring and magic mm. and things like that and spirits and ghosts and stuff like that. Sounds but good. All rooted in African American culture. And the goal of these stories is always to get an advantage in material things, like so he doesn't fire his grandson or so he buys wood from the right place or he, you know. So there's always a double agenda mm. in all the stories he tells. So it's not quite clear how much is truly real stories and how much is just he's he's just he's just BSing to to get his way. But it's it's a lot of fun. There's uh, you, you got to read the you got to read the dialect though. It's all written in accented African American English. That'll be the, that'll be fun era. and people will hate it because yeah. Uh, anyways, well, um, you got to go, deal with the N word if you're gonna. Uh, God. do those works though people, so I don't know people get so grumpy uh, the Gary yeah. Wolf there's a story oh the Gray Wolf's H-A apostrophe N-T have you read that that's in there it's a last second to last story the Gray Wolf's H-A apostrophe N-T so I want to say Hant um, it reminds me there's a uh, comic book series that's really good right now it, it's good and it's beautiful and it's not bad writing but the it's called um, Harrow County, and set sort of in the south in the past, 
and it's just beautiful watercolor illustrations. And they have the the creatures uh, of the forest, the sort of witched witched up beings are called haints. H. Oh yeah. A I N T. Um, and that sounds like uh, maybe this is where, or maybe that's where it's getting it from. If haint haint, like. Oh yeah, I see here the gray wolves. Um, do you yeah, remember? I don't know. That I have to audiobook. Okay. No, the guy, the LibriVox guy who did this is really good. Okay. He, well, that nails it. So. I'm going to look that up right now. Um, might maybe that's a I don't yeah, I like I I like not doing a whole collection of short stories at the same time. Um this way we can pick into an individual story. Yeah, and it's like I learned from reviewing. If you try and review a whole uh, a whole collection of short stories, what you end up doing or an anthology is bang, basically saying, I like this one, I like that one. <laughs> and that, there's some good, there's some bad. Yeah, and, or you end up doing story summaries so you can remember what the fuck's going on. Um, and then that's just like a terrible way. So that's one of the reasons I don't write a lot of reviews anymore. But um, there, yeah, there's the audiobook, and it's oh, it's short, three hours forty minutes. So yeah, it's only eighty pages. Each of these is only uh, uh, yeah, half hour long. Okay, that's interesting. I'm gonna have to dig into this and see where we can fit it in. Uh, that's a nice one. Okay, Marissa, you have a story I want to hear. <laughs> You're hiking. Oh, my my Jordan Peterson story. Yes, you, you uh, Paul, you know who Jordan Peterson is, right? Yes. And uh, uh, Evan, have you heard of this guy? Uh, he's a probably pro- but it's professor not in my of R A M memory. Yeah, he's a professor of psychology at University of Toronto, I think. Um, and he's making a lot of waves on the internet for saying things. <laughs> Anyways. Yeah, he's like, oh. he's slightly controversial and well, not. And incredibly compelling because he's saying really interesting things. Yeah, but he just, his main thing is that he, um, because well, they made it like a human rights violation in Canada, right? To yeah. not use people's yeah. gender pronouns. Um, and, uh, so he, he's on the side of free speech and basically like, I don't think he refuses to use people's pronouns as much as he's just like, you can't compel me to use their pronouns. Like that's my choice. Yes. You shouldn't be (laughs) punished. Uh, and he was getting, he was getting threatened by his, his school for making waves, mostly because they don't like waves rather than, you know, they care. Yeah, so uh, so yeah, I was hanging out with this guy all through Christmas and New Year's. This little geeky guy that we met, who's mm-hmm. a, f- a friend of a friend, and I'm playing virtual reality with him for days. He's been in my house for like, I don't know. We cooked for him and fed him and coffeeed him, and he bought all his VR gear around. And at New Year's, we went he, for a hike with him. He did what? He bought all of his virtual reality gear oh, around okay, our place. Gotcha, gotcha. So we just had our whole place turn into like a VR setup. Uh-huh. So it was really fun, and um. For New Year's, we went for a midnight hike up to the top of the mountain nearby to watch uh, all the fireworks over LA. Wow. And me and my girlfriend had been talking about Jordan Peterson um, because we were watching his like life coaching kind of YouTube right, videos right. that morning. They're kind of awesome, you know? We were like, oh, that's really good advice. It's mostly writing, right? That's what he says is you need to write. 
right yeah and he was also talking about like how not to like procrastinate and how you're just like fucking yourself up and it was just good so we were up up there at midnight um walking uh, yeah hiking back down and i said to the guy like oh do you know this guy jordan peterson and he was like i don't know so basically just gave the explanation that i just gave to you guys like oh he's kind of infamous for this gender pronoun thing Mm -hmm. but he does a load a load of other really good work as well and uh the guy was like he was like, I think I would want to throw him in a volcano. And I was like, yeah, well, you know, you'd have to listen to him because he's he's got like a really – he's not a bigot. He doesn't hate people. He has this really reasoned um, way of getting to where he's at. And, uh, yeah, the guy just didn't answer me. Mm-hmm. He just stopped talking to me. Wow. And I was like oh. – I was like, like, are you okay? And he just refused to answer me. Wow. And then, yeah, and then we had to walk – we had to hike home in the dark. It was just me, this other girl – and him he refused to speak to either of us for an hour and a half walking through the dark in this park where there was no one else around and when we were like he was walking on ahead of us and when we'd be like you know come on man like don't walk away he would stop and he would just stand there in the dark with his shoulders set and he wouldn't turn around and when we when our footsteps like caught up to him he'd just pace off again he did that all the way home oh my god yeah, never spoke a word we got back to my place and he just packed up all of his virtual reality on his computer and then for the first time, he made eye contact with me, and he goes, "Good evening," and just walked out of my house, and that was wow. it. Oh wow! <laughs> yeah, it was it was so. I was like, "Is he gonna kill us?" Like is, this guy was acting like he was having like this nervous breakdown Holy or something. And, like he, he never asked my opinion on gender pronouns. He never like asked anything more about. He never told me what he was angry about. Wow. He just went into complete shutdown in the middle of this hour and a half. That's hike home that. That's hard. Yeah. You can't even just... you can't even fix anything if you don't know what the problem is. Yeah. It was so disturbing. Like the whole time I was like trying to keep it light and just like, you know, chatting to my friend and being like, Hey, are you cool? Because you're kinda not speaking right now and it's kind right. of a little bit weird. Like, are you angry about something? Do you wanna like talk? And he just wouldn't yeah. speak. <laughs> wow. So I was kinda like it just made me want to watch a lot more Jordan Peterson stuff. <laughs> <laughs> I've just been watching, <laughs> learning a lot more about him since then because I was like, wow, oh, you got, reaction. Evan, you got to see this. Uh, I, I don't know if Paul saw it. Uh, this amazing inter- well, interrogation interview uh, is for some UK channel. Uh, it's just am- it's, it's so amazing because he, he keeps it together, even though she's basically... She's trying to anger him so that he'll, you know, say something really radical or something, right? And he keeps it together so well. I guess he's just done it so much um, mm-hmm. that in the end, she's basically, she's exhausted herself. Yeah. And basically shown that everything she says doesn't make any sense. That's By that's my nice sense. Yeah, yeah. yeah so but, who yeah. is this? It, it seems he has a book out recently. That's why he's on the media. Well, he he's got YouTube channel. He's got a YouTube channel. He's got a podcast. He's he's a clinical psychologist, and his main thing is, um, you know, I, I've spent a lot of time with a lot of people with psychological problems, and I'm trying to help them uh, solve their problems. And what you what you guys are all talk like basically insane political correctness is insane like it, it, it and he mm-hmm. he he attributes it to um uh sort of super disciplinarian i don't know i'm I, I strike that some sort of marxian um 
doctrinal stuff. He says that the 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 uber feminist um, stuff is I, the identity politics stuff is disconnected from reality in such a way that it it's harmful. And mm-hmm. I think he's right um, because whenever you you basically I don't believe in any ideology, right? Like. I think socialism's a really good idea, except when they start implementing it, if they ever do that, there's probably going to be some issues, so we're going to have to modify it quite a bit you know, as we go. But uh, anytime you've got an ideology, you're basically saying, I don't care about facts. I only care about yeah. getting my shit done. <clears throat> or, or power whole, politics. Sorry. He also focuses a lot on, like, um, because I, when I originally heard about him... Um, I think I bought his coaching thing. I haven't even gone through it yet, but his whole thing is like, you can't, you can't affect other people's um, behavior and try and control them. You have to just fix yourself. So his whole thing is like, look into yourself, figure out what you want to do. And like, and then that's why a lot of men follow him because he's really much into like self-improvement and a lot of guys are struggling, you know? So that's why the feminists hate him because he's, he helps a lot of guys, but he also helps a lot of yeah, women as yeah. well. I'll do the same thing. It's true. Like I was raised, my, my dad died when I was uh, like 10 years old and my mom is a super domineering personality. Like she, she's like Steve Jobs. She can get shit done no matter what she mm-hmm. sets her mind to, she can get it done. Right. She says, I want this to happen. She'll find a way to make it happen. Um, and the, when I started realizing she doesn't actually know everything, even though she, she, is confident about everything she knows. She doesn't. When I, I'm like, holy shit, she doesn't know this. I'm like, I'm a super genius. <laughs> <laughs> and then I started realizing, okay, I have to find a way to deal with this. And and uh, I found my way. But I I can see a lot of people who are raised by women um, and don't have a guiding male figure uh, being kind of lost in the world, mm-hmm. right? I had an argument with my mom the other day about the word, uh, the, the, and I, maybe I'm completely wrong. Maybe she's right. But the, the, remember in the, oh, I don't, Marissa, you wouldn't remember. Paul, you would remember. Uh, Evan, you might remember. Uh, in the early 80s, there was this push uh, to get Ms. into use. Yeah. Okay. So I was saying to my mom, mm-hmm. I don't think anybody uses this anymore. And she says, no, everybody I know uses it. I'm like, really? I'm like, I haven't heard it, but I remember when she was telling me in the 80s, you know, this is, Ms. is so, you don't gender identify women in the same way that you, uh, sorry, marriage identify women um, in the same way that you marriage identify, uh, men are neutral, right? When they get married, they're still a mister. Uh, when they're unmarried uh, as women, they're miss, and then they become a missus, right? Um, and so if we fix this, this is kind of the sort of a, a prelude, I think, to to the um, the whole role of uh, gender pronouns. Which, again, I don't know any. I, I know some trans folks. I don't know any of them who use any of those those crazy pronouns <laughs> because they don't yeah. work, right? They they're, they're like, theoretical. There's, there's all those animal ones now as well. What? Like, which was. <laughs> well, that's what Jordan Peterson originally was fighting against, I think, because people started identifying as like Squirrels. worms yeah. and beavers, and you had to call them by their worm self oh and their God. animal self, and like whatever the spirit animal was. And there was like a list of fifty different pronouns. Yeah, and it's, it is a sort of fantasy world in, in, that is is 
they're going to be shaken out of at some point because it. Yeah, and, but you know game. what? It's fine to live. It's fine to like live in that world and ask for it. But if people say no, you can't get offended. Yes. Like, it's, have, yes. have your fantasy. That's fine. Like, and ask people, do you mind calling me this? Maybe they don't mind. But if they do mind, like, get over it. Who cares? <laughs> <laughs> yeah. So you got if you watch that. Um, that uh, UK one, you'll be up to speed. But it's it, it's like just Kathy compelling. Newman? Sorry? Kathy Newman? Yeah, yeah, yeah. That's yeah. the one. Yeah. Okay. It's really I interesting. I, I saw people saying that this the interview should be taught in like, universities and stuff for how not to <laughs> argue with someone like the way she treats him. Oh, wow. and I don't know. I think really I think it worked. In, like I think he comes off like, like uh, just the most disciplined, incredibly thoughtful person. Even though you can see he's sort of mm-hmm. becoming upset, he even says that, right? When it, when the conversation gets meta, when he says, you know, assertiveness, right? You have no problem with being assertive. She's like thrown for a loop, right? Uh-huh. And uh, she's derailed for a minute. And he's like, she's, oh, yes, that's exactly what I'm doing. Like, you know, okay. Yeah, it's because at the point where she's saying you should make it easy for women and then she starts arguing, well, I didn't get to where I was. Like, I had to fight my way here, so you should respect my position. And he's, it's kind of like, what What are you saying? You should have to fight for where you are or you, you should have it easy. Yeah. Like, it's just so stupid. It, 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 it's, it's, re- I, I, it's really interesting. I watched a couple, uh, well, one of the, um, uh, you know, people interviewing him afterwards. And that was like, it was kind of boring. But he said, you know, he said, you know, it's some interesting stuff there but if you just watch that one you'll sort of be up to speed mm-hmm. did, paul did you get to see it what's that did you get to see that uh crazy kathy newman interview interrogation it's a good watch yeah it's it's well, i've been re-watching some of camille paglia stuff and I yeah you know i think they're really insane i love her I, I i was loving her in the 80s like I just love how she doesn't. She, she just tells you her like I think Madonna's great, right? And now she's like, now yeah. Madonna's over. She's making mistakes, right? Like I was like, wow, Who's this woman? Camille Paglia. She's like, okay, a, I don't know. Her. She's a uh, sort of. Uh, I think she. I think in a recent one she was identifying as male or something now, which was well. I think she was, uh-huh. but not like a. I think was she. She says she says well, I'm kind of yeah. I have to go back and listen to it. I know the one you're talking about. Yeah, but I'm looking at Jordan Peterson here. Masculinity is not toxic. That's something she's been saying a lot. Yes, and she she's on the one hand, American if, version if, of if him. You accept the transsexual identities, then you're admitting first that there's some kind of authentic masculinity and an authentic femininity that one can have inside. A lot of people right? do though. Because if someone someone says like I oh I was designated a female but deep down i'm a man or a male yeah right there's a kind of a male identity that that exists mm-hmm. and how then how can that be toxic i mean you can't really have it both ways yes yeah. something that <laughs> uh, interesting i'm gonna look up it's part of well. who we are deep down i mean I, my own opinion is that we're all masks we're training mm. i don't know if this is kind of from william james maybe a little bit but it's all habit and training and identity but it's all it's all masks we wear. I mean, if we take off all our masks, I don't think there's any true self at the bottom. Of there's it. just more masks. Mm-hmm. <laughs> yeah. Like sometimes you're, I, I'm the professor and sometimes I'm the father. Sometimes I'm the son, you know, mm-hmm. and sometimes I'm, you know, whatever, whatever situation I'm in, I might be wearing a different mask. Right. Uh, I think, so yeah. I, don't I, you I think, think there's an animal a, underneath all of those masks though? I mean, I'm not well, trying yeah, to go for uh, the furry thing. If the furry uh, argument, uh, I'm just uh, saying evolved, ape 
Because, like, if you start <laughs> thinking about, like, why you're motivated to do some things, that it's just pure mm-hmm. animals. Like, uh, it's like, yeah, I, I just want... I want to have a baby because I, I'm an animal, or I want to yeah. I want to eat food because I'm an animal, and we could dress it up. Um, yeah. Well, I was talking about this with friends last night, and I was just like, I don't know why it can't be all those things. Like, it's like yeah. it's nature, it's nurture, and masks as well. Then, like, it's it's all those things, and people like arguing for like one, just one or the other. It's like that's it doesn't really seem realistic. Like, why do people get so attached? Like, no, it's all. It's all culture. Because we like sim- we nature. like things to be simple. Right? Yeah. <laughs> it's easier just to say there's a god in there, <laughs> in that mountain. That's why it's shaking. Yeah. Um, than to try and explain tech plate tectonics and learn all all of that. Yeah, it's all God's fault. It's all the patriarchy's fault. Yeah. That's what. That's uh, wow. We went far afield, but I, I think that there's some reason why that story is good. Uh, yeah. The one we just did. Impossible Planet. Um, actually, mm-hmm. I think the title "Impossible Planet" is a better um, is a better title than "Legend." Yeah. Um, because oh, I think so too. Because it. <laughs> so the problem is, is the the adapters they thought they took the title literally. See, <laughs> <laughs> we don't need to actually care about anything. Whereas, True. <laughs> They, you know, just the 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 planet Earth is impossible in the sense that it's it's a place where living things exist and it's very complex down here. Um, yeah. And on Mars, it's a lot simpler. I mean, it's it's got some complexity, but it's a lot simpler on Mars. You know, so, there's uh, so um, the one I like is you know we we keep hearing about fossil fuels. You know, you've heard it your whole life. Um, there is a very strong, there's very strong evidence that oil is not actually from any fossilization, you know. Um, that not that's oh, really? not true for coal, but it is seemingly there's very very strong evidence that it's a natural process of of plate tectonics and and just huh. having lots of carbon dioxide inside the earth, and that if follow that theory, um, uh, does that mean that we shouldn't be uh, exploiting oil? No. <laughs> but if if you if if that was suddenly you know broke out into the news next week, people would use it that way. That argument, yeah. right? Mm-hmm. Saying, well, since it's not fossil and there will always be more being made all the time, which is, this idea has been around for a long time, um, and it's evidenced by the fact that there's not a lot of biological stuff in oil. Um, yeah. You know that we don't find a uh, a big pile of um, half transmuted oil or whatever, like we do with uh, car. Uh, getting off topic. The important <laughs> part is Earth's amazing, <laughs> and uh, we're weird. And uh, yeah. I appreciate you guys coming on the podcast and talking to me about it. <laughs> <laughs> that was a great Good wrap up there, Jesse. <laughs> uh-huh. Yeah, um, I actually have to go anyway because uh, the I don't know if you heard the pitbull I did hear interruption of claws that came yeah. clattering in. Yeah. I'm sad to say that will be the last one ever because oh. she's going to be put to sleep oh, on no. Tuesday. Oh. Yeah, so she we got ha- a problem. We have a, she bit again. Oh no! So, yeah, she bit a friend of mine. That was the emergency room that I had oh, to go no. to last week when I had to cancel the. 
That's so. Um, that's really sad. Yeah, it was really sad because she's yeah she's been good for a long time, but she has something in her that she can snap like that. You yeah. Know, and, well, it's humans are dangerous. You know, if 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 yeah. we follow the logic chain we're going down, uh, you know, we're yeah. gonna end up all with no hands because yeah we can I mean, use yeah, them she's to no pick up knives. She just got angry. She got like that robot with the red eyes for yeah, a moment, but, but she has teeth, and so. Yep. And she's um, not a human, so she doesn't. Yeah. Doesn't rate the same protections. Yeah. So her owner is putting her down. So we've got a. We just had our last night looking after her, and we're going to take her for her last hike now. Yeah, and give then, her a good hike. Yeah. Yeah. But yeah, so I'm going to go do that. Luckily, her English her. isn't very good, so she's not not going to be too worried. Isn't that the great thing? Yeah. Like that's we're, we're all so sad, but she's got no idea. Like she, we, she has no idea why she's getting 100 treats. She just thinks it's awesome. Yeah. Like, <laughs> she's, There's the real animal <laughs> self there. 